Happy New Year and welcome to our first episode of Everything 3P for 2022. We're excited to have you on the show and we'd like to introduce you to a new member of our team. Denise Mosteller has joined our team as a partner. And for those of you that don't know her, she is a fantastic and incredibly astute individual in the, the field of brand protection, brand integrity, channel compliance, the whole bit. And we'll get to her in a minute. So welcome, Denise. And as Thank usual, you. we have Dave Howell, uh, the founder of Howell & Associates. So what we'd like to do in this episode is talk about the things that we saw in 2021, as well as some of the things that we're, we could expect to see in 2022 and what we could do about it. But with that being said, Denise, welcome. I am super excited to be here. It took me, <laughs> took me a little while, but I made it. You did indeed. And it's going to be a pleasure to, to, to really get down in the nitty gritty with the work here. And Dave, of course, you're happy and smiling as usual. <laughs> well, and, and let me just say, so um, there's a few shout outs that I'll do on this one. So Lauren Lipkiss, which is somebody that I look up to um, very dearly. I consider him family, a mentor, and uh, probably one of the nicest and greatest individuals I've ever met. He introduced me to Denise about seven years ago. And oh, wow. uh, um, I, I will ever forever be thankful for that. And the minute Denise and I met each other, uh, sitting there in a beautiful background on a boardwalk in, uh, in San Diego at a, at a ICANN INTA conference, her and I hit it off just great. And we started working with each other literally the week we got back after that. And probably a year or so after that, we've always talked about some time working together and coming together, taking the, the, the brain power and industry knowledge that she has coupled with the lack of industry knowledge and brain power I have and trying to build that up. Right. <laughs> so I couldn't, I couldn't be happier to be in a position and be thankful to everybody around me, every client I have every bit to be able to start a business four years ago and be able to be at a point to have the two of you on this, you two, Maurice, I could not have picked better people to partner with. I couldn't pick better people to align myself with and to grow this business and offer all this to the company. So I don't care if I'm the namesake of the company or the founder of the company, you're looking at two of the, probably the foundation of the company is these two boxes that are right next to me. So I want to thank both of you and Denise, I couldn't be thankful that you're joining more. Well, I just am thankful for the opportunity. And it was funny because I just talked to Lauren last week and <laughs> told him how thankful I was because if it wasn't for his dinner, we may have never met. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it was things happen for a reason. So I'm just exactly. glad I finally decided to get out of the boat. Oh, it's a, it's a, it, it's a, it's a fun ride. And the other thing too, is one thing I know that I learned in 2021 is how a non-traditional approach really goes about and, and has an impact. And I know that there were a few times that we had spoken that, uh, sharing information as far as in, in our investigations and such last year. Mm -hmm. And it was neat to see the relationships that you had built with a lot of these third-party sellers. And for any of the, the third-party sellers out there that might be listening, it's not about hunting. <laughs> it used to be, but 
what I found is that there is so much more benefit in, in speaking with the individuals and getting to know them. And I found that in a, in a, in a very a potentially uh, explosive case, <laughs> in which you had the, you had the relationship with the, that third party and it diffused everything. And mm-hmm. so I look in, look at what uh, 2022 brings. And I look at continuation of working with third parties in conjunction with the brands that we serve, because there's a lot of great synergies in that in keeping those, those things clean. And I, I just, Denise, I would just want to get your take on what you saw in 2021, what you see in 2022. I agree. I think with the landscaping changing so much with, we all know what's going on in the world, but it really changed the way that people shopped and where they shopped and you know, how things work. And that's not going to change in 2022. It's just going to increase. But I've always said being able to have conversations gets you a lot further. Um, my goal is to, I, I had a nickname for a while and I was known as Denise, the fire breathing dragon sender of nasty grams. Um, <laughs> so I'm really trying to change my reputation. I think with some of them I have, especially I had worked with some companies who then the people went over to the brand side and they're like, oh yes, we know Denise. So I, I like to build relationships. And if you have to call me that in the beginning, that's okay. Usually we, we come together. And as you said, Maurice, there's some sellers where I had experience. So it helped, you know, how to approach them and vice versa. But I think that we're going to see, in my opinion, a lot of the same for 2022, because people that we never thought would shop online started shopping online in 2020 and continued in 2021. And how do you go back now? They figured out how easy it is. Yep, so yep. that opportunity for sellers is just going to grow and grow and grow. Yep. Well, yep. Denise, didn't we talk about, what was it? Uh, I think we did a webinar together probably five years ago talking about the retail apocalypse and talking yeah. about all the store closures back then. Yeah. And I think that, you know, just the the, the dynamics of the, of the global, you know, I don't want to say pandemic, but let's just call it what it is. That expedited that. I mean, we started seeing where stores just almost got to the point where they couldn't recover. And I'm starting to see even through this holiday season, because I am a traditionalist, so I still like to go to, you know, brick and mortar and go to Kohl's. Even when you walk into a Kohl's or you walk into some of these stores, they're moving all to online. They got huge areas in their store that are online pickup, order online, and their customer service and and some of the products that they're they're keeping in inventory are dramatically shrunk. Because they're moving all that. So I think not only did we think it was re- retail apocalypse five years ago, <laughs> I think it really kind of got expedited a little bit of that. And, and again, I'm talking about more of the big box retailers. You got the boutiques, right? The REIs or the small fishing shops or, or, or mountain climbing shops or ski shops. Those types of things will probably still flourish. But I think the bigger scheme of things, I think it is going to move to the online marketplace world. Yep. But Coles took it a step further. Now, not only can you shop at Kohl's online, but now you can return your Amazon packages yeah. in a Kohl's <laughs> where now they give you a coupon to shop in their store. So they've even learned how to make money off of Amazon, even though they don't sell there. Yep. So Kohl's has been one that's done it. You know, they've done a pretty good job at it. Cause I will tell you, I would rather walk into a Kohl's, give them my box, 
let them scan it and I get a coupon and I'm already there. So, but, but here's the funny thing, Denise, to you look at that and it takes that 20% coupon or that $10 off coupon, because if I walk over to a camp, a shampooer and I scan it, it's cheaper on Amazon. So you almost <laughs> have to give me, you have to give me that coupon to be competitive with some of the online marketplaces with some of the price erosion that they have. So where you, they've embraced it and they're still again being a traditionalist i like to touch and feel it but when you can scan it inside of a brick and mortar store like that i mean there's a level of competitive posture that you know as maurice was saying what is 2022 going to look like with everything that's going on and what we've seen in the trends over your nice career of 20 years in this right yeah. but that's and why your pricing policies are important yeah. and the enforcement but even so i think one of the biggest things we all saw happen in 2021 was the authorized seller programs almost became more important than pricing. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying pricing doesn't matter because it does, but when you're having a supply issue, you're not having the same pricing issues that we've had to deal with for years and years. So it is being able to watch what is going on and you have to change your game plan accordingly because what you might've done six months ago is not what you need to do six months later. But I see that trend continuing, but that was a big one, especially in 2021. I think that we all saw because of supply issues. Yep. And what it's interesting. It, uh, oh, go well, ahead. Real quick, Maurice, what was it? Didn't Marie, again, Denise, you and I've done so many webinars and podcasts and everything together. Weren't we on a call with Mike Murphy, which is somebody else we, we hold in <laughs> high regards. Yes. And we talked about when the Amazon shut down their whole warehouses for three or four months and product was virtually gone. And some manufacturers had to react dramatically because their own websites and their own selling couldn't even keep up with the demand because they relied on on Amazon so much. And that, whether we ever repeat that again or we learn from it, it just shows you how fragile your channel is. No matter how much you think you you can bolster up one side of it, it still may be very vulnerable because we don't know if a warehouse, what what if the postal service shut down, God forbid, for something else or UPS or something like that. We, we almost have to really look at it and have the right things in place to be able to adjust or react. Or what I always say, communicate. When you have an issue, communicate to your client base, communicate to the market that all is okay, but we need to make an adjustment because of what may be happening today. And I think that if we learned anything from those things, you know, all the other stuff aside from a manufacturing standpoint that we have to make sure we have certain things in place, certain redundancies in place and have an open line of communication across all of those with our distributors, with our authorized resellers and with our consumers. Because without that, I think that we're, we're prone to repeat it, right? If we don't learn from the past, we're destined to repeat it. And on the other thing too, when you were talking about Amazon, we're talking about the e-commerce giants, right? eBay, Amazon, Walmart, so on and so forth. But one of the things that I, that we saw in 2021 that was kind of shocking was more disruptive selling, uh, something called a brick. <laughs> that that it was for a footwear man, a footwear uh, company, and we we found that <laughs> there were so many things that were being sold in these secret places, meaning that, so from what I understand, the brick is something that's not sexy. It's not like a Lamborghini. It's like a bunch of Toyota Camrys, but you sell enough of those, you're going to get equate to that Lamborghini. And what, what happened was instead of going online and we've, the reason we found this is because we started closing down on some of these businesses. And then some of the good faith third party sellers are saying, Hey, this is happening as well. 
And what, what happens is they get a ton of product. They never list it. So there's nothing that you can really crawl if anyone's using that crawling software. And you have to sign up to a uh, to some type of company like a Discord. It's a social media site. And then for a certain time, you it shows the product and you bid immediately and you win it and then it's gone. And that's been coming up more and more. And it's it's interesting to see in light of COVID how these very in, uh, ingenious ways of selling product are coming on the line and go, really flying under the radar. I'm wondering how much we're going to see of that in 2022 as well. Well, what about, and Denise, I, I'm going to get your take on this because when it comes to counterfeit, um, you know, you probably forgot more than I know. And I'd like to think that I know a lot, right? But <laughs> when you look at the counterfeit side and you talk about like the bricks, what you're talking about, Maurice, um, you know, my kids for everything terrible, my kids got me onto TikTok and <laughs> now every, every third TikTok is an ad, right? Yeah. And it's an ad and it not necessarily is a good ad. It's a counterfeit ad. It's mm. a counterfeit to a Fall Raven backpack, to a Rolex watch, to a Breitling watch, to a Honda generator. And there's nobody watching this, right? And by the time, because of the sheer volume that is, is happening on these marketplaces, like I, I don't know what the number of tick, you know, TikTok users are, but it's in the billions now, right? And if it's up even for an hour, you just created a consumer confidence issue into your products because these look so good. Like yeah. some of these, these Rolex ones, and I know Rolex is kind of a, a, a different beast, right? Guy buying a fake Rolex is going to buy a fake one. Guy buying a real one is going to buy a real one, right? But the, 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 the moral of the story is these are so well done. You would think it's a real Rolex or a real Honda or real Fall Raven. It's a real manufacturer built this. But by the time it's all ordered and done, it, the damage is already done. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Well, on the website that you're seeing, it's, I mean, it's might be gone by the time you can do anything about yes. it. Um, mm. It's not only selling fake products, they are doing these websites, you go in and buy it and they're actually not even sending you any product. Yep. They're stealing your credit card numbers. Yep. And it's becoming, <laughs> you're seeing it more and more because of things like TikTok and because yep. of Instagram and People don't know. I mean, I have friends and I, luckily they will send me an email and say, is this too good to be true? Is this a legitimate site? And you can typically look <laughs> yep. at the site and you're like, no, do not. If you want to lose your money or just give it away, I'll tell you my address, drop it off on my doorstep, we'll call <laughs> it a day, or you can put it in there. Um, so you're seeing more and more. And it's just like you said, it is, it's so quick and it's so fast that yes, the damage is done. And it's hard to do something about it because it disappears. And yeah. then the next one pops up and the next one pops up. But yeah. I also think that if you are, there are some things you can do, as we all know, is getting some of these ads and things off of social media and kind of being a thorn in the side. And you're never going to get a counterfeiter or somebody who's going to steal credit cards to usually stop. You just want them to stop doing your stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, what I would say, and it, and it goes back to the communication aspect of it, right? Because we can really call this like phishing 2.0, right? Or if somebody already coined that phishing 3.0, right? Where they're phishing for information. But I think what it comes down to is it's communication. And I think I, if, if I was a large manufacturer that I know there was a problem out there, right? Um, one of the first things I would do is I'd try to educate the market. I mean, a, a press release costs nothing. Um, mm -hmm. Posting it on your website costs nothing. Doing your own social media where it says, listen, don't buy from anybody 
who you don't know or have validated that they're authorized. And if you want to know who is authorized, yeah. give them a link right to your webpage and list the authorized. If they're not on there, we're not saying it's fake, right? We won't just come out and say that, but you need to go into that knowing that's not authorized. It's not legitimate. You might want to just hold off on that because let's be honest, something that's 70% off, if it's too good to be true, probably is. And I think that that communication should fall on the manufacturer. And I think that they're missing that. A lot of them are missing that. Mm -hmm. But so, it's you, your keyword you said is educate. Yeah. And it is absolutely. And I think that's another thing for 2022 is there should be more time spent on educating because yeah. as you are educated, you learn what to look for. Just like, I mean, I always use this as an example with Amazon. Most people go to Amazon looking for a product, looking for the best price, looking for free shipping. Yeah. Because I have a different education when it comes to Amazon. I look at different things, but it is because of my experience and my knowledge and I know what to look for. Yeah. And I think you take that same philosophy across the board and it is, it's the education part of it is so important. And that's something that you do. It's proactive because a lot of what we do, as you guys know, is reactive yeah. and it's great, but what are we going to do so that we can spend less time being reactive and more time being proactive? So you don't have a problem to clean up. So I think that's a key thing and will be really important this, you know, in this year is to, to focus on education. It's so, so important. I mean, we tell our kids that all the time, don't we? Yep. Yeah. Yep. I think, <laughs> I think I just like saying this word, but it's an oxymoron right? That we have to actually be, we have to be very proactively reactive, reacting, right? Mm -hmm. Because we're, we're, we, we are being proactive and monitoring, but we can't take action on something that hasn't happened. So we have to be very proactive in reacting very fast, which is an oxymoron in itself, because you, you wish you could just be proactive and keep that stuff shut down, but that's not the nature of the internet. It's not. Uh, okay. We can't take down a clone site or a, 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 a diverter that's on a social media platform if they haven't put up a diversion, right? Right. So, well, speaking of all this too, what do you think that authorized third-party sellers, good faith third-party sellers and brands need to be educated on? Denise, you alluded to some of those things. David, you did as well. But what are some of the nuts and bolts, maybe the one, two, three that we should know? And, and, and for those of you listening out there, feel free to chime in through, through uh, email and so on and so forth, because these are the things that matter. And we'd like to address those issues to ensure that, that we minimize the, the ill effects that are out there. Anyway, the, going back to that question, uh, so to both of you. One of the things that I have seen when I work with brands, especially as they're doing an authorized reseller program is. You know, they're getting their foundation in place. They want to go and attack all those people that are selling that shouldn't be. But no, not, I shouldn't say nobody. Often they don't put into consideration of, okay, we can do all this stuff on this end so we can clean it up. But you know what the definition of insanity is, is putting yeah. the same stuff back into a system and expecting to get a different outcome. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things I always like to make a, have a brand think about is what is a good partner? You need to determine as a brand, what is a good partner? What kinds of things do you want them to have? Because I'll tell you, if somebody is working out of their house, chances are it's going on a marketplace. And if you're trying to limit your marketplaces, don't sell to somebody who only has a residential address. So one of the things is really, you know, I, I've worked for um, some clients who actually had me do an investigation and look into their potential 
resellers before they approved them because sometimes mm. they'll tell you that they are on this website and they're not a distributor. And as I do a little digging and we all here know how to do the digging, yep. you find out, well, no, they're connected to 15 websites. They don't really care about the beauty industry because they're also selling auto parts. And is that something? <laughs> so, and then it's like, they're not a distributor, but I pull up their, you know, one of their sites and it talks about how you can sign up to be a distri- uh, a reseller, or a dealer. Yeah. So I think that it is, important to get your foundation in place, know what you're going to do, but you got to attack the other side of it and really think about what is a good partner for your brand. So Dave, I'm going to flip it over to you then on the third parties. What should third parties be educated in or what should they know? I think, I mean, you know, third party, third party by nature, they're going to be the traditional arbitragers, right? If they can get their hands on product, they want to resell the product, right? It's the American dream. Mm-hmm. We're all we're all economists here, and we're all a capitalist society, and we want to buy low and sell high, and we want to move it in the best fashion we can. That being said, ignorance is not a defense. So if you acquired product, then when we go to shut you down, or a manufacturer goes to shut you down because you're unauthorized, then you need to understand the recourse there. So going to your initial question, I think as a third-party seller, if you want to be a real third-party seller, a good faith and grow your business, I think you need to start working with the manufacturers and get a reseller agreement in place and adhere to the things that these say. I, every manufacturer that I write a reseller agreement for, I put in their territories. I don't, I'm not talking about geographic. I'm talking about digital. Understand what those digital territories are. Is it your own website? Is it True Value's website? Is it on a marketplace? What are the restrictions and limitations that you have and adhere to that? And I think as a third-party seller, and you, I mean, Maurice, I don't know, 10,000 have we shut down for our manufacturers. I mean, you know, Denise, you probably can double that number. But you look at this and it says, if you want to really be a true business, wouldn't you like to have a stream of product always coming in so you can build your business as a third-party seller? So if you're just out there getting whatever you can from distribution or getting you can from a, a, a Costco pallet you get here and there or true value, you know, as a distributor you're going to have highs and lows. So I'm going to tell you, work with the manufacturer, prove your worth. And what Denise said straight up, we have manufacturers asking us, we we have this person wanting to come on board. What do you think, Dave? I'm going to tell you, the first thing I do, Maurice and I go right through our database and we've got 150,000 in our database. We crawl that. And if they've ever been enforced on, one red flag. Okay. The next one is I go look at their marketplace. Denise said the second red flag, beauty, <laughs> auto parts. I mean, you, so if you want to be a, a true store on a marketplace and build your business, you need to pick your industry, right? I'd say try to focus on one industry or at least one segment of that. Work with the manufacturers, build the rapport, prove to them. Remember, you need to prove you're the, you're the third party seller wanting something, yeah. prove your worth and say, we are good faith. We will adhere to your reseller agreements, your map policies. We will sell the product how you want. If there's ever an issue, we will work with you with that. And we will work within any of the guidelines that you set. That's a good faith one. And mm-hmm. Maurice, I can tell you, I know why you asked me this question, because when you and I first partnered together, uh, when I started the business, I brought Maurice on like a year and a half later, Maurice is like, I think we need to talk to third-party sellers. I'm like, no, <laughs> no, they're the enemy. They're I don't the talk with guys. them. <laughs> exactly. And then Maurice goes, well, hold up. 
this guy just sent us, we enforced on him and he sent us every PO, all their distribution agreement. He told us everything. And I'm sitting here going, okay, now I have to go back to the manufacturer and go, you can't shut this guy down. He was <laughs> sold product under a certain pretense and right. you don't have any th- policies in place that limits him to do that. So shutting him down is going to open up the manufacturer to liability. Yeah. So then we started realizing there is good faith sellers out there. Yeah. Ignorance is not a defense and people will hear me say that a lot. But a lot of times these manufacturers do not have the proper foundation agreements, policies and procedures in place that when they want to go shut these things down, they've allowed distributors to do whatever they wanted. And let's be honest, if I'm a third party seller and I can get product through distribution, I'm Yeah. So I think that to Denise's point and Maurice's point, I think we need to sit there and work with manufacturers and educate let them know what things they should put in place. And not everyone fits. We're working right now with a manufacturer. They have a hundred thousand resellers across the country. <laughs> sounds sounds ridiculous. But if you think about it, the type of products they have, they're in everywhere. Every, every true value, every Lowe's, every Home Depot, every Walgreens. So at that point, we're not going to do a reseller agreement. Right. What you do is you do terms and conditions tied to a purchase order, the acceptance of that purchase order will then go to the terms and conditions and have an agreement there. Now, we all understand agreements are only as good as you can enforce them, but at least you have something. So you can always go back to that. When you have to go enforce that, you can educate them and go, hey, we understand we see you here. We're not sure if you're aware of our terms and conditions. Our authorized channel you know, has purchase orders at a time to terms and conditions. Reference this. And now you can start the conversation yeah. because I'll always go back. Communication is first, education second. You got to have those two in line. And what's the first thing you do? You reach out to them. So now I embrace third-party sellers, not all yeah. of them, but the majority <laughs> of them, because if they open to have a conversation, yeah. I will I will go to bat for them as much. And I think we have five third-party sellers as clients now because yeah. we went to bat for them. And then all of a sudden, they're working with the manufacturers that we once were enforcing on because they are good faith. Yeah. And if you want that, that's the kind of, sometimes we just need to be that middleman to put that stamp of approval on. So there's my rant for the day. No, I love I it. A lot of coffee. <laughs> Go ahead, Denise. Let me add this with regards to third-party sellers too. The other key is honesty. Mm-hmm. When I have a third-party seller, and even if they're applying to be and they're honest and they come to me and they say, okay, I understand that I'm not allowed to sell on marketplaces. Here's my seller names. Here's what I've done. That changes the whole thing. It does. And so if you, it's, it's all about the relationship. So as a third party seller, be honest yep. because that will get you far, just like in any relationship that you have. And I find that when somebody is honest with me, even if there's a lot of red flags where I would normally say, no, no, no. It changes how I may, or the decision I may make, because they put it all out in front of me. I didn't have to go dig for it and find it. Like, don't make me find it because when I have to find it, I just don't trust you. Yeah. And that's, that's the point. That's the point. Well, I'm looking at the time. I want to make sure that uh, we keep it brief as far as the kickoff for 2022. But for those listeners that are out there, please, again, feel free to reach out. We'll, we'll put a, we'll put an email in the bottom that you can, you can email us any questions if there's any topics that you'd like to address. This is something that we'll be doing uh, moving forward throughout 2022 and the rest of the time that we're together. 
and we'll do our best to address those different issues. You can feel free to call us as well. But uh, Denise, again, welcome. Dave, as always, thank you for, for your knowledge and to the audience for, for being here with us. And we'll, until the next one, we'll catch you soon. Thanks, Maurice. Thank welcome, you. Denise.